Hello and welcome back to Let's Talk Faith and Justice. Uh, my name is Boston, my pronouns are he, him, and I'm one of the co-hosts. And my name is Linda and pronouns he, him, the other co-host. Today we're going to talk about um, a conference that I was invited to as a Lutheran pastor. It has a UVic tie-in uh, that Vancouver School of Theology put on called Leaders for a New Day. And we had two interns from Vancouver School of Theology last year, uh, Reba and Leslie, uh, who were helping with inclusive Christians at UVic, um, which made that year super awesome. And I miss Reba and Leslie's leadership very much. Me too. But I learned a lot as a mentor uh, alongside them. And so they invited us about the future of what leadership could look like in churches for a new day and Reba was on the panel with us the queer inclusion panel and Leslie was in the audience Leslie's name was brought up at some point in that because she asked a question absolutely shout out to uh, all our supporters yeah thanks to those who uh, follow us on Instagram and give us encouragement yeah so maybe I'll just get into a little background one uh, for those who might be unaware Anytime there is a conference that a pastor is invited to, and this was paid for by a grant from the Lilly Foundation, which is this very large U.S. religious foundation that seems to champion progressive church initiatives. Um, We don't have anything quite comparable to that in Canada. Uh, So it's great that Canadian institutions could tap into those funds because usually, right, we're just go into some dorm room at some campus and everyone's in a shoestring budget yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Or, or we have to make it really short if we're at a nicer place that costs a little more. Um, that's just the realities of living frugally, yeah. which is not bad. And in this case, um, with the foundation grant, they were able to pay for people's transportation and lodging and food. Oh, wow. Um, so again, and to be in Vancouver for three nights, four days. Um, so this was hosted by Vancouver School of Theology, which is on the UBC campus. Uh, they ended up, because those dorm rooms were not available, thankfully, um, they put us up in a hotel in the West End. And as a runner, uh, I was able to get up and run around uh, Stanley Park. Got to do the whole loop twice, did nice. did some out and backs um, before that. So that was like a nice little reprieve. In the, otherwise, as you know, with conferences, pack days. But meeting up with colleagues is such a huge thing because as pastors, we're kind of like deployed staff where we tend to work either solo or, in my case, with another pastor. And we meet up with our ecumenical partners, like Anglicans, United Church folks, um, from time to time. But here was a case where we could meet all together and spend a few days together in conversation. So that was just really lovely to have that opportunity. Um, It was kind of funny that everyone got there and none of us really knew what to expect. Uh, We just like, conference, yes, let's do that. Vancouver, awesome. Um, But our friends at VST put on a great conference, and probably my biggest takeaway from this is that building relationships 
with colleagues and with people in seminaries, so like professional theologians, uh, is just so important right now. We are, this, this is not the heyday of uh, church years with like flush uh, budgets for these kinds of things. So what I think we're learning to do is be creative and work together with different denominations and, and learn from one another. So a lot of it was just an opportunity to, to listen to different voices, including some people we should have on this podcast, including uh, Mingu, one of the spiritual care providers for the United Church, who is here at UVic. He was one of the speakers um, who talks a lot about some of his own background in Korea, about foods, about how we bring memory and food to bear in festival and celebration and did that in a real way. So we'd love to have Mingu on the podcast sometime to talk about as church, as we celebrate like the body of Christ, um, receiving communion, how we could invite people to bring the way they prepare food into the church world. That would be kind of a fun thing to do uh, generally with inclusive Christians. He's actually already doing that on campus with the belonging dinners. Yeah. I was going to say a little plug for them. Like with the, I've heard, I mean, I've had, I haven't had a chance to go out to one of them yet, but I've heard really incredible things. And I see often, you know, it's, you know, it's free food <laughs> students on campus. Like I've seen a lot of law students there and I've like, I mean, I miss the Bannock one though, which I have. Oh yeah. That looks really regret. good. It looks so good. But. And there's a cap. So you have to sign up early. Yeah. Uh, there are very few spiritual care provider events where we have waiting lists for these events. And I think belonging dinner is the only one I know of. Yeah. Um, so he's doing really amazing work. Um, and really looking at things through an intersectional lens. And his partner, Hana, another pastor at Broadview United, who also records here at, and has done stuff with the queer community in Victoria, um, was on CFUV not too long ago. So it's, it's great to kind of realize, hey, we've got colleagues right here in Victoria doing amazing work. So how can we learn from one another and work together? So that was a really important voice. Uh, Ruth Dancer is also a colleague and helps with inclusive Christians. She was on a panel. It'd be really fun to have Ruth on here to talk about her work with different kinds um, of like, I think Island Health is doing different kinds of drug therapy okay. uh, to help people, uh, whether with anxiety or, or other kinds of things with uh, ketamine, I think it is. Uh, so that's like a, a, a government-sponsored program, and she's kind of on the front lines of that. I mean, that's from, amazing. I yeah, didn't even know that. From a chaplaincy perspective. So she does has some role with that. Um, she was speaking at the conference more about uh, her work as a, a supervisor um, and ways that we could better support students. I mean, it might be interesting to hear some of your perspective, Boston. You weren't at the conference, but you're actually in seminary. And thinking about discerning a call to ministry of, of some kind, like what attracts students in ministry in such a volatile time in the life of the world and the church? 
That's a really good answer. Or that's a really good question. I don't really have a good answer for you, to be honest. This one, like, I remember when I first started the process, that's what um, Bishop Kathy, that's one, she was like, you're going to get this all the time, this question. <laughs> and so you might want to start thinking about your answer. And I actually have not quite figured it out yet. I, um, you know, I, it's really a big part of what, what drew me to it in the first place was people like, you and Ruth and Mingu and like multi-faith and all these amazing pastors down in the United States that I follow, you know, follow them on Instagram and listen to like Cafeteria Christian as a podcast that I really like. And I just, it just seeing the type of work that pastors could, can do and do do. And I was like, wow, that's, I mean, it really has called out to me, but I don't know. That's not still not a very good answer, but it's kind of, yeah. Well, I mean, I think sense of calling is, you know, that's the way to talk about it. And it can be hard to articulate these things. And in your case, you're also completing an indigenous law degree here at UVic. Um, So that has some financial stability attached to it. Um, If if like a bivocational uh, ministry is something you look towards in the future. Not that you have to have that answered, but I think more and more, um, yeah, you hear pastors saying, oh, wow, get a, you know, go to commotion and become a plumber or something. So you have something if you need to feed your family, if ministry is not the thing that would do it. Um, So law would be a a stable foundation. Yeah. And I mean, in terms of that's uh. Yeah, that is definitely thought in my mind when it comes to, like, the common law. Like, I'm like, this is not really... The Canadian law, you know, colonial law is not something that I'm super interested in. Um, have to take classes, obviously, though, to complete my JD. Um, that, I've I've definitely thought that in, in terms of the financial aspect. But I have found... I, I mean, I haven't completed that many seminary classes. Or, like, I've, I think I'm at my... My fourth one starts on Monday... Um, but there, I've already seen so much overlap between indigenous law, like indigenous legal orders and with what I've been learning in seminary. Like there's a, there's a lot of things that fit really nicely together that I was honestly shocked because I think the general attitude, at least among like indigenous law, people in indigenous law is that there isn't a lot of opportunity for that to sort of connect mm-hmm. right they don't they think it's inconceivable that indigenous legal orders could ever be similar but i mean of course because of the history of colonialism and christianity specifically but no there are there are a lot of similarities but that's a little bit of a tangent that's not really what we're but yeah yeah no i think it's it's good to think about things like that and i mean it is kind of an exciting time in terms of the world is increasingly kind of upside down and people are seeking stability. So I think part of building community is also spiritual communities. We're already there. We are already organizing. Um, We've got spaces to share. I think it's, if we're thinking about leaders for a new day, it could be about welcoming candidates for ministry into imagining a church that does look different 
in terms of sharing that space for community organizing and building solidarity, things you're already part of. So I'm not telling you anything new. Um, but I think that that aspect could be really exciting. Um, often too much in church structures, and I think conferences like this are trying to, to break apart the kind of siloed thinking of that we're just all on our own and people's budgets are shrinking and forecasts can be a bit gloomy. Um, but rather, we're entering this time of Advent in the church year, which is the start of the church year. Uh, it's not really just a prelude to Christmas, but it's really about a time of imagining possibility and waiting and restfulness and longing. And is also about uh, Christ returning to the earth in order to bring about uh, justice in a holistic way, economic justice, racial, uh, queer justice. Um, that's very exciting, and that's very timely. So maybe just as you see things dovetailing between indigenous law and your seminary studies, there's a time that church, rather than, you know, we could just go, you know, sit in the corner and be sad, uh, which some churches tend to do. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's how we feel like if we're feeling a bit sick, right? You just want to go lay on the couch yeah. and kind of pull the covers over your head. And there's times where we need to do that just to rest and just take retreat. But we also have these great spiritual resources to build one another up and to build solidarity in that. So that this conference fired me up uh, to to think about yeah. like, wow, I have these amazing colleagues who I had not met in, in the lower mainland, uh, people in Squamish, people in Kelowna, uh, Penticton, and right, BC is so spread out, like much of Canada, that these aren't the easiest places to get to, um, but we could stay in touch yeah. and maybe have some of them on on the podcast as well. I heard uh, another of the speakers was Reverend Anne Privet, who is the rector at the Anglican Church in Kelowna. And the diocese there declared themselves palliative, saying, hey, everybody, we're dying. It's sort of like, like a parent giving you a heads up, by the way, I'm not going to be with you forever. Uh, maybe you should start thinking about your future without me. So they probably don't know how long that is, some years, yeah. that there is a diocese with a bishop's office and staff. And if people are unfamiliar with church structures, um, you could think of it as a university administration that, in a good sense, can help give you support and, and build bridges between all these different congregations. But those, the support for those structures has dwindled to such an extent that they're like, hey, we're not going to be around for that much longer. So let's start imagining a new world, a new life. Um, so for some people, that might be interpreted as a period of mourning of like what will be lost, which is sad. And so that can also be healthy, though, because with, with that period of mourning and thinking about the death of one structure, you and make space for 
something new happening in terms of a resurrection of what this new thing looks like. So for the, the Anglicans in Kelowna, someone gave them use of several acres of farmland outside Kelowna, and they started growing acres of garden crops, beans and all, all kinds of stuff. Uh, on a summer that had the worst wildfires on record. So they have images of like fire cresting the hills, people's homes threatened, and they're out there picking beans. Sort of that act of faithfulness like, oh, what are you going to do if it feels like the end of the world? Well, I'll go out and pick beans and feed the community. Yeah. It's a kind of an act of faithfulness in the midst of a horrible reality. Yeah. Um, but I think that gave a lot of those people hope. Anyway, I took that away as like an encouraging (laughs) story uh, in some ways. So I think in some of it, the purpose of, again, of having those conversations to imagine like, well, what is the death and resurrection happening around us? Yeah, and I I mean, I think that is, I I don't think there's anything wrong with having that be like a, like you said, inspiring. I I know the, the usual sort of attitude towards it is one of I, I have found a lot of mourning like oh my gosh we're losing all the we're losing churches we're losing you know, like you said diocese we're losing these structures that we've we're so comfortable in and we've had for so long but that is that's something well you know talking about seminary classes like I'm uh, I took one in October and we talked about you know the idea of the theology of the cross and how to respond to dwindling churches through that lens. And it really was one of like, well, (laughs) you know, acceptance, right? Except that it is happening and that there will be, like you said, a resurrection and it doesn't mean might, might mean the end of a certain structure, but it's not the end. Yeah. And that can be complex when you have communities Right, individuals are going to fall along a spectrum of yeah, where of they are in that there can be some denial, there can be acceptance, sadness, there can be hopefulness all at the same time. Which I am. Um, I'm not trying to say that's a bad thing. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. yeah. I, I think that's the strength of community again because I think when capitalism encourages us to think individually, right, how are you uh, as an atom of this system going to fix this unstoppable crisis, whichever crisis you want to pick. Yeah. You're like, well, you can't. But, right, the lie that we're told by society is is to hide the fact that we are this greater collective, that working together we can push back against these systems. And, right, that's when, that's when there's critique or that's when there's pushback from systems when people take collective action and recognize the power they have. Um, I just had the opportunity to meet with Izzy, who's the new director of GVAT, Greater Victoria Acting Together, which is another uh, great person to have on the podcast. This feels like a, a bit of a table of contents, like <laughs> yeah, upcoming, upcoming episodes. Um, but Izzy was part of the union organizing for the Starbucks here in Victoria, which may have been uh, the first Starbucks that unionized in Canada, at least successfully, or maybe has remained so. I think that history is more complex than what I knew it to be. There have been several attempts 
over the okay. years with varying results. And this one is still open, I guess, is one of the differences. So it'd be really interesting to hear Izzy's story on that as a recent grad, uh, already a pretty robust union organizer and yeah. bringing that to community organizing and and helping invite churches and other civic groups on GVAT that that need a kind of breath of fresh air like where do we where do we go how do we do grassroots organizing how do we build solidarity with diverse groups it's not something we're necessarily all trained to do um so that that to me was encouraging again thinking about leaders for a new day that yeah there's leaders in ministry but then there's young leaders doing unionizing work and stuff and why as a church are we not pivoting ourselves to be the cornerstone of that yeah. especially on the the west coast where there's like such precious real estate that you can open your doors for meetings or concerts or different things where one of the few places people could gather yeah. other than the public library um that we could be sharing space with some folks for different conversations so that could be yeah it got the wheels turning for me for sure uh about that yeah that's awesome uh something that i find just about something that you talked about earlier that i find so interesting here you know you were talking about the conference and how it can feel kind of siloed for you know you feel separate from colleagues a lot of the time and it's really i i don't know what it is because it seems like a a bit of like a west coast thing for some maybe it's just because of space wise there's so much spread you know on the west coast because i know um as part of my role with the canadian council of churches getting to see you like going over to quebec and stuff like the east and like seeing how much they are sort of like like I think the Anglicans and the Lutherans and the United all of them interact all the time. Like there's never you know, like it's it's a very regular thing. And so it's interesting that here on the West Coast it's so it can it feels so separate. I think part of it, I mean what you describe, I think for Southern Ontario, um, right, every fifty kilometers you've got another city yeah. in that with a huge population base yeah. and greater Toronto, you could get hundreds of colleagues together in a relatively small landmass. Yeah, that's true. Um, Lutherans are not very widespread in, or in large in number uh, in BC generally. And then there's the island effect yeah. too, that we have to get on a ferry uh, and go over to the lower mainland and then meet with people there yeah. who are a bit spread out. Um, and just the resources you need to to get on the ferry, to go stay somewhere in yeah. incredibly expensive places. Because when we have some of those larger church meetings, it's, oh, we should all meet. And, you know, it's like Saskatoon, Regina, Winnipeg, Calgary, because it's more in the middle and cheaper. Yeah. To gather people there, the prices are just much lower. Um, so I think it's kind of all those things. That, A lot of then, different factors, yeah. And then on the island, like our, um, there's one other Lutheran church in Victoria. There's there's both Grace and Church of the Cross. Then you've got, you're, you're heading over the Malahat and yeah. 
to Nanaimo, Port Alberni, places like that. So just a handful of, and I know there's one or two others up, up island from there. Um, so pretty small numbers, fairly spread out. We do meet together ecumenically in Victoria. Yeah. So that is good. Um, but you're right, in the east, I lived in Montreal for four years, and there was, like, again, being in a cosmopolitan city, there would just be huge <laughs> gatherings, particularly of Anglicans, Uniteds. You just have, so you got, you've got McGill University, you've got Concordia as the two Anglo institutions, you've got UCAM, you've got Université de Montréal, you've got four universities in one city, and then all these churches and structures, um, just a bit of a different vibe in a place like that. So Vancouver, they might feel a little more connected because you've got that huge lower mainland area where they can all, within an hour probably, most of them could meet up. Yeah. Whereas we're like four hours door to door. Yeah. Wait at the ferry for six hours to get on the sailing. Yeah. Um, Especially if you're taking transit, you're taking the, the slow bus there, you take the bus and the sky train and the whatever on the other side, like you need a, a day to recuperate from yeah. <laughs> all those connections. Yeah, it's not even here. It's not even one bus. You like go take a bus up, and then there's one bus that comes every like hour and a half that if you miss it, you're sitting at a bus stop. And it's not even like in a nice, like there's nothing around. Isn't it? Like I've never even taken the bus because I've looked before and thought, yeah, there's no way. Like I'm like to the airport or something like that. Like, uh, anyways, a bit of a tangent. <laughs> Not really, yeah. Yeah, but it's just, uh, yeah. Yeah, so you think about transportation as such a huge thing. Yeah. Or thinking about people in, you've got colleagues in Souk and stuff like that. You know, you're a little more spread out. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I've, I'm heartened to be able to have those opportunities. And I think about the opportunity we have to have conversations on this podcast other kinds of things, thinking about solidarity movements we could be building. One of the podcasts I follow, I've mentioned to you, Boston, the Sandy and Nora Talk Politics podcast. They had a live show in Winnipeg recently. And just to see the kind of movement building that they have, that these two co-hosts, um, uh, Sandy Hudson and Nora Loretto, have had throughout Canada is pretty remarkable. They're both authors and speakers uh i think sandy's also a law student in los angeles but from canada and they meet with unions and other kinds of groups and building a kind of coast to coast movement through their podcast of conversation building and they're both community organizers and their goal really is just to connect people together and to say yeah you can do it you you are not powerless. You might feel powerless and dejected and tired, which is understandable, but you actually, working collectively, we have a lot of power. And I think that's a reminder for churches as well that we might feel isolated or whatever it might be in the day-to-day, but collectively, we actually have quite a lot of power and privilege Um, And especially if we start working laterally and work together with unions and student groups uh, and other community NGOs, we could we could be quite a formidable force. And in some cases, we already are. 
but to recognize that is such a huge part of it. Um, I think again about running metaphor of like, you have to believe that you can run the race. Like the mental game is a huge aspect of it. Yeah. If you start a race thinking I can't do it, that's not a good way to start. <laughs> that won't help you complete that race. Yeah. You have to go in with a strong mental game and it might not be the day you're feeling it. You might not have gotten enough sleep. You might have had a stressful week. Um, you might have an injury, even if slight, it's bothering you. There could be any number of things that are getting in your head and telling you that this isn't going to work. And if it's really severe, then maybe it won't that day. But as is often the case with some encouragement from friends, like you can push through some of those things and be surprised what you can accomplish. So I, I like to think of that. Sometimes the mental, right, the mental game gets us down. Absolutely. You got papers to write in law. You've got in seminary. Yeah. And we're, we've got relationships, church commitments, other, other commitments. Yeah. Want to meet up with family or something. And there's travel involved. People are tired. Too many commitments. Yeah. Um, so how do we support one another in that help each other with the mental game? Yeah. It, and I always find it is really... Um, it feels so overwhelming sometimes. And then when you actually do it, it's like, Oh, that took me, you know, so like say example, like a paper, like you think, Oh my gosh, I can't like, it's going to take, I, it's going to take so long that I can't, I, w- I shouldn't even start at this point. Cause it's just going to be, and then you do it and it's like, actually not that difficult. It takes you, you know, right. Maybe a couple of hours. And it's like, Oh my, yeah. Again, my brain was so in the way, like telling me that it was, it was difficult. You couldn't do it. You couldn't, and then you do it, it's like, oh, actually, it wasn't that bad. Right. And I mean, I have to be careful about ableism and stuff, like running metaphors and not the most universal. Um, there are things that our bodies don't let us do. Yeah. Um, and for some people, it can be focus and attention with yeah. things they struggle with. Um, but so often, it is like the fear and worry we build up within yeah. ourselves about some task that we dread. And if we collectively can lift one another up to get through that, or I don't have a ride to this thing, so I can't do this thing, uh, someone gives us a ride. Someone just makes that step just slightly easier yeah, and, and cheers us up. Um, that, I don't know, all of life can feel like there's a bit of a burden lifted off our shoulders. Some people are just in search of community. Uh, so that's something that we can also provide. I think maybe so often we've been used to in churches primarily where there is uh, a spiritual resource and community and we continue to be that. But it doesn't mean that all the friends we make and relationships we build have to be like-minded in that. We can build community with people who are not Christian or seeking a church home per se, but they might find a home in terms of other kinds of conversations. So I think I think that's a kind of growing edge. Not to say that was the focus of this uh, conference in itself, but for me that was a main takeaway was yeah. 
look at all these partners. And they kept saying, look us up, call us up at VST, call up these professors, invite us over to speak, call up your colleagues, reach out, let's do things together. Like we have a lot more resources at our disposal than we realize. Yeah. And that to me is like a raising all the boats kind of moment. Yeah. To think, okay, yeah, we're on Vancouver Island. Yeah, it's a ferry ride to get anywhere or or uh, expensive flight or whatever it is. Um, but we can have conversations over Zoom or yeah. we all meet at a common location somewhere. Yeah. We'll have our Winnipeg live show one day. Call our friends in Winnipeg. Gosh. That that might be a ways away. Yeah, it might be. Drop uh, that for all our friends in Winnipeg. See if you're listening. Yeah. Um, come invite us over. We'd love to come. That's far away. Winnipeg is so far away. It doesn't feel that far away. And then, yeah. <laughs> it's like actually, good. that's a healthy travel. Well, it's, it's a, one of the few... Uh, places where the national church office for lutherans is in winnipeg yeah so there you go most people it's toronto yeah yeah lutherans maybe mennonites uh it's nice in the middle it's nice in the middle that's there we go i mean maybe that's why it is i don't know why it's in winnipeg it does seem random it seems like Uh, well there's some strong uh western canadian roots there some of that um but well i think it's good winnipeg's like a feels like a a gritty unionizing kind of city as like a good place to have a a church with roots and reformation with turning things upside down yeah absolutely the place people least expect the revolution to come from absolutely i don't know what to say other (laughs) i'll say um well, and you raise a good point, though, of all those friends in Eastern Canada, too. Like, how do we connect? Um, well, um, since this podcast is also a conversation between us, there's actually someone from Eastern Canada who reached out to us. Um, uh, Tay Moss is with Church X, which is this United Church venture out there. And they're building an online platform for seems mostly for progressive church bodies to meet together online. Like whether you host as a podcast or online uh, lecture series or whatever it might be, they want to create online tools for people to communicate. So we are invited. It's almost like could be a Patreon for, for uh, Christian groups in Canada that you could have member spaces where people could talk and chat because Patreon basically is that kind of platform for a lot of podcasts and creative projects where people contribute to the sustenance of some creative project. And then, um, they're part of some conversation like a, a member's portal, some kind. And so church X has already built that. Oh, wow. And they're asked, they're like inviting people, Hey, come use it. Okay. Um, that's amazing. That sounds yeah. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And so there is some kind of membership structure to that, whatever it looks like. But the purpose of it would be to create a creative project that's self-sustaining, right? Like imagine if, I don't know, either we could, if you had some small amount uh, that came from that, they used either for recording equipment or amazing, have a student, hire a student to edit the show, 
something like that. Yeah. Um, that would be the the purpose of that. It's not really a commercial venture. It's yeah. really just a creative space for people, for them to nourish that. And Church Acts is just looking for, uh, you know, people to help offset the cost of this apparatus they're building, which so far it seems to be the only one in Canada. Yeah, I've never. And they, they looked for software and stuff, and they just couldn't find anything that suited their needs that was at all affordable. So they just built their own stuff. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And so that kind of stuff is happening in Eastern Canada, and they're inviting us, like, out here in Victoria. So I got to have a conversation, and Tay Moss was at some some uh, biblical studies conference in Texas or something. So I zoomed in from his hotel room. So it was kind of neat. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So that's some exciting, like talk about building bridges. Someone's like, hey, I have this tool that would connect all your listeners together, not just with us, but with with each other. Yeah. That it becomes its own portal for that. And that things take on a life of their own a little bit. That people could connect together and share ideas. You don't need the host for that. No. They could uh, make it a little more of a lateral structure. So we'll have to check that out. Yeah, absolutely. Just connecting the dots between yeah. Leaders for a New Day, VST. Let's say thank you uh, to Stephen Chambers who helped organize that conference and Richard Topping, who's uh, the head of VST, um, all the wonderful colleagues who are there, um, and and look forward to having some of these people on the show as well. Yeah, and I think it also is about time to say our other thank yous that we usually do. I, I don't know if you have anything else you want to add. Uh, no, any other? that's great. Okay, awesome. Well, then um, we have more thank yous. Thank you to CFUV, as always, for letting us record in their space. Um, thank you to UVic Multiface Center for supporting the work. Thank you to the BC Synod and the ELCIC. Thank you to Church of the Cross. And thank you to everyone who listens, who actually listens to this podcast. And yeah, come join us in Inclusive Christian sometime. Yeah, absolutely. We meet Wednesdays at 5 o'clock Pacific time on campus. Yeah. Anytime class is in session Yeah. in the fall and the winter-spring semesters. So kind of wrapping up yeah. um, for this semester, but we'll be back mid-January yeah. with Inclusive Christians. That's informal worship followed by a meal on campus. And follow us on Instagram at uh, Let's Talk Faith Justice. Yeah, there's a really amazing, um, just talking about inclusive Christians and, and things going on, um, there's a really amazing st- sort of student-created, led play that's coming up. Do you know, ex- I do remember exactly what it's called. It has like a bit of a long name. I think it's called, oh. I, uh, well, an ap- apocalyptic nativity Yeah, yeah. is the... And has a lot title. of showings. Uh, there's three. Uh, the one I know offhand is the one at Church of the Cross, which is on December 10th um, in the afternoon. So come for that, 5 p.m. Yes, and, and it'll be at, I think this is, um, I, th- I think it's, it, so, so it, sorry. <laughs> this is not a good thing to do live on trying to record. Um but it, yeah, yeah, it's a queer, I think it's called The Birth of Light, a queer apocalyptic nativity. Um, and yeah, Sunday, December 10th at 5 p.m. at Church of the Cross. And I think that there is one 
at Multifaith on the 6th at 7 December p.m. December 6th, 7 p.m. And yeah. then also Broadview United this Friday. This Friday, okay. Uh, which we should say the date is that December? Uh, this Sunday? No, Friday. Oh, this Friday. Yeah, sorry. December 1st. Yeah. Yeah. At 7 p.m. Yeah. So check that out because that's a really exciting right. thing. And again, Sage is the one um, who right wrote and is going to direct it and was also on the panel with us on the queer inclusion panel. Wonderful so, people. Yeah, absolutely. So anyways, that was a long <laughs> outro, the longer outro that we usually do. But thank you for listening. We, we appreciate you. Goodbye.